welcome to Best Fit Careers with your host Saurabh Nanda. Your podcast for all the information that you need to solve your career and education queries. Today's guest is Anveshi Gutta. Anveshi is the CEO and founder of AtQuest Sustainability Solutions based out of Bangalore. Anveshi is a very, very experienced corporate leader who has worked in consulting, whether it's engineering consulting and business process consulting, management consulting with companies like HP, IBM, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers in India and the Middle East with clients all over the world. Anveshi jumped uh, on the entrepreneurial bandwagon with AtQuest Solutions uh, in April 2020. And since then, AtQuest has uh, become a top 10 uh, ESG consulting firm in Asia and the best emerging uh, consultancy uh, for ESG and SDGs in South Asia. AtQuest works with uh, big corporate uh, uh, setups. They also work with schools and students. And um, I have been following Anveshi's work for the last three years. We connected online. Um, we shared the same passions about the SDGs and how we can engage youth into uh, joining hands together and in solving this complex problem that the entire world faces today. I am going to be a mentor at a summer camp that AtQuest organizes. Um, it's an online summer camp and I would share the link of Summer Naturally, which is the name of it, uh, in the description so that you can check it out. You can probably join and uh, be a part of it as well. And this summer camp happens towards the end of March uh, and uh, it continues till uh, June through various activities. There is a lot to discuss today about, uh, you know, how youth can be involved. What are the opportunities uh, in the, uh, I would say, the ESG sector or the SDG sector or or green jobs, as uh, as a lot of uh, corporate pundits call them, and what different activities are happening around that, especially in the last two three years, uh, we've seen extensive work happening uh, around all those aspects. So let's not waste any more time. Let me invite Anveshi over. Hi, Anveshi. How are you? I mean, I don't know how to answer that because the weather out here, quite clearly, is less sunny than what it has been for the last three weeks. And for the middle of summer, middle of March, actually, Bangalore experiences mango showers and we're looking forward to those mango showers sometime soon. So I'm kind of in anticipation of some cold, cool weather for the next couple of days, but otherwise in a good mental space for sure. Okay, that's great to know. But yeah, I, I completely resonate with you when it comes to weather changes and, uh, you know, uh, weather patterns, uh, which are completely changing. I've been talking about the seasons uh, shifting uh, since I don't know when. And then uh, that's exactly probably why both of us work in the sustainability space now, because <laughs> we're not, we're not ready to accept these things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. I mean, for March, clearly, this isn't the weather we were expecting. But because I've been reading in the papers that there will be a shower sometime in the next couple of days, clearly that anticipation is high now. Great. So, Anveshi, let's let's just um, begin by a small introduction. And, uh, you know, in, with most of my guests, I ask this question uh, that how have your last three years been? And, uh, you know, because the last three years have been very special for the entire world. So, uh, uh, how have the last three years or the COVID years been for you? They've been super special. If everyone says special, I'd clearly go super special because AtQuest was born right in April 2020. So three years. In fact, we'll be celebrating our third birthday in a month from now. So three years uh, of AtQuest is also happening, right? So clearly you've heard me say 
at, in April 2020, pandemic was also clearly uh, came up at that same time. Uh, yeah, so in that sense, there's been quite a few roller coaster rides, in a mini roller coaster rides, so to say. But having said that, I think it's been a, an, a phase of exploration, phase of conversations, deep conversations with people, real conversations with people, uh, clients of ours, uh, a whole lot of reading and research, building opinions, delivering those opinions to people out there. So yeah, a whole mix of things that have happened in the last three years. Uh, the lull during the COVID, we've definitely as a team, again, I represent AdQuest, I lead AdQuest. So I believe we've kind of spent that time very diligently to kind of do our homework such that when the world opened up, we were really going all guns blazing. And that's that's exactly how the three years were. Amazing, amazing. And and we would also like to know a little bit about your background because only you are the right person to, you know, summarize your entire professional journey. So how did it happen? How did AdQuest come about to be? And what were you doing before that? And so on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's coincidental in a certain way. But let me tell you a little more. Uh, so I started my career way back in 2002, early, well, the start of the century, so to say. Uh, I did a lot of IT consulting. In the, in the early part of my career, uh, over probably about eight or 10 years down the line, I switched to something called business process consulting. Uh, that I did for a few years uh, in the corporate space again. Then I switched again to smart cities consulting, uh, urban development and digital technologies in the urban space. That's the theme. So I did that. I was in the Middle East and Africa, uh, Dubai to be specific as my base. Uh, that was a good five years spent there. Uh, came back to India and that's when the India Smart City mission, mission was kind of already on its first leg. So I happened to fortunately join the right place, which is PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, where they were leading the consulting engagements with the municipal authorities in different cities for Smart Cities mission. So I engaged myself there, uh, leading the uh, sustainability practice for uh, our engagements down south of India. Uh, good three years there, then that's that's what I think gave me very close understanding of typical urban challenges well beyond what I was calling digital and technology. Um, digital and technology is something that could be an enabler, but clearly the challenges that I saw were also beyond it. And uh, yeah, I think the origin may be not so conscious, but origin possibly was around that point where I had a very first-hand experience. Uh, at the very same time, I, I, on our personal front at our home, uh, I think we started a lot of things that got us transition to sustainable lifestyle. Uh, it happened again, very much, uh, not, not so consciously so, but it just happened so and the, both of them came together. And the kida or the, the bug of going for an entrepreneurial journey was always there in me, always there in me for a good 15 years or so. It's just that push that was never happening. And I think it came to a point where I knew that if it was not now, it would probably not happen later on. And so I decided to call it quits on my corporate life, uh, then started on this journey. But before I started on this journey, of course, I had to really do a lot of uh, thinking and mulling over what I wanted to do. Uh, like I said, personal uh, lifestyle changes happened. Some mental rewiring happened because of my work that I was doing. And one and one came together and when me and my wife, when we sat together and thought of what we want to do, we realized that maybe this is the space we want to play in, sustainability. And although we said that, we did not know what shape and form it would be. 
So it took us a good time, about a year or so, to kind of evolve that in our own minds before we went out there. And that's when April 2020 happened and then the story of AtQuest uh, and the beginnings of AtQuest happened at that point. I think, yeah, long, long story short, that's where it is. Yeah, this is uh, probably one of the, you know, uh, I would say the most concise introductions of all the guests that I've hosted so far. <laughs> and and uh, I know that you have been quite humble in that because you've had a very, very illustrious uh, career in, in consulting in, in various domains. And, uh, uh, you know, I will be sharing Anveshi's uh, details, LinkedIn profile and website. So for all the listeners to actually check out uh, what, what he has been doing. Um, Anveshi... Let's let's uh, kick off our you know main topic over here. Um, what is sustainability? Uh, how did you get you know uh, the inspiration to work, especially in sustainability? What is ESG and and all the things around that? Uh, the word sustainability clearly is is cons- kind of in- interpreted a lot to do with environment, and that's that's a lot of times I myself do it, and I'm not saying so. But clearly, sustainability is a lot more than that to start with. The way where where this the origins of the word I think got a lot of prominence was the Sustainable Development Goals, the UN SDGs like we know them, the seventeen goals. And if you look at them, each of them is very distinct in the kind of agenda they try to achieve. Not necessarily everything is tied to the environment. Yes, it's it's a it's a big part of the goal seventeen, but it's not the only thing. The point I'm making is there's so much of uh, social aspects associated with sustainability. There's so much of cultural aspects associated with sustainability. There's so much of collaborative aspects associated with sustainability. And then there's, of course, the environment and everything else that I'm talking about. Um, so sustainability in, in, in simple terms is, is if you were to go back to the dictionary, open a dictionary and look at sustainable, it's about something that keeps you at a, at a, at a level that's kind of well-balanced in a certain way, right? That's what we're talking about. Uh, and that well-balanced level has to happen at through multiple dimensions. And that's where I think the environment, the social, and in the corporate context, a lot of governance comes in. Because if you cannot really have the right control mechanisms and governance mechanisms in a corporate context, your entire business could come down crashing. And in fact, we're reading news very recent, in the recent past, SVB Bank has collapsed. In fact, yesterday, I believe, uh, Credit Suisse, so the Swiss banks are also seeing collapse. These are all things about how you look at your own business governance aspects. So sustainability by itself is all about that. But when it comes to ESG, that term has been again around for easily a few decades, a couple of decades, but has grown in prominence over the last four to five years, possibly. And again, because of what I would call investor interest in the theme of ESG and their associated parameters for investing in companies. So they are looking at ESG as a key criteria to decide where they put their money and investors quite honestly have the capital to decide which way the economy is steered right if you if you clearly uh, look at the way businesses are run they need capital and the capital comes from either the banks the lending institutions or the investors investors are big big chunk of it and so when the moment the investors said we want to kind of decide where we want to put our money based on how well you're doing on ESG the corporate setup woke up the corporate set up woke up and then they, they really realized that they would want to do all the right ticks in the boxes so that they don't lose out on the opportunities. At the same time, the regulatory setup woke up. Uh, policies were framed and a lot of, lot of uh, regulations came into place. And that's, that's the, 
the action that has happened over the last four or five years. In fact, as we speak right now, we are in the middle of some really thick action going around the ESG space from a regulatory and a policy perspective, not just in our country, not just in India. I'm talking about globally as well. And so I think that's that's the crux of the ESG story. But where I think we need to be clear and careful about is that if you increasingly look at ESG from an investor perspective, you probably will not do justice to the theme of sustainability overall. Don't just clear look at the ESG perspective, sorry, investor perspective when it comes to ESG. Be a little more broad-based because it's all about stakeholders that are relevant, not just the investor uh, angle that's relevant. So that's the caveat that I would add, but we could probably discuss in a lot more details around the ESG theme and how sustainability theme and how it could relate to uh, the different parts of our society. I'm happy to elaborate there. Right, right. So uh, my, my immediate question after that is, um, you know, we we see a lot of, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the uh, the, the corporate structure can, can uh, it needs to be regulated a little bit. And uh, now a lot of action is happening around that, uh, primarily driven by investors uh, who are interested in investing in companies who are socially responsible, who are environmentally responsible, and uh, their governance structures reflect that, right? Yeah. Not only that, but also SDGs and so on and so forth. But we've also seen, and, and recently there has been more and more awareness around this, uh, scientists and consultants and uh, you know, policy makers, they've all been talking about um, things like greenwashing, where corporate uh, entities are trying to show that they're doing a lot for the environment, but they're not. And uh, recently, uh, especially after the SDGs became uh, prominent since 2015, um, it's it's uh, more about SDG washing. So you see on a lot of companies' websites, you know, big SDG flags, uh, this particular goal, this particular goal, and so on and so forth. But how much is actually happening on ground is, is a question which a lot of uh, people have been asking. In fact, um, there's, there's another part which, uh, you know, um, for uh, I think in the last one year itself, there has been so much uh, information available on how the carbon credit system has been misused, abused and completely, uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, the, the authentication has uh, just moved away from it uh, with the way how, uh, you know, low cost airlines have been using it or, or cola giants have been using it and so on and so forth. So uh, how does one, uh, you know, prepare for something like that? Yeah, I mean, clearly greenwashing that you mentioned, I think I'll start make that as a starting point and I'll probably go on that story further. Uh, for, for the sake of the uh, audience's understanding, greenwashing is simple terms, washing things green when they are not. So putting a layer of green on top of something that inside isn't so, right? That's what greenwashing is about. Now, yes, it is a concern, although I would put, a, put a, another angle to it. So there are a lot of times when... Like you just said, when you visit websites, increasingly you see those SDG icons appear at multiple places. You tend to think how much of this is really true. And that's always always there. I mean, no, no denying that. What that does is that probably we, we bring in that layer of skepticism to probably every vis- visual of the SDG icons on a corporate uh, banner, right? That, that happens a lot. And having said that, uh, I think what we need to be clear about is the reason this happened is because it started at a point where uh, the whole construct of ESG or sustainability was not as fa- clearly defined to begin with. So today in India, as an example, uh, we have something that demands that thousand companies should do, the top thousand companies should do what is called a sustainability report. It's called the BRSR. But till the last year, there was nothing. So the BRSR comes with a template, 
template that clearly asks for different data points from, uh, and this template is designed by the regulator, in this case, SEBI. Uh, now, till that was, if that was not in existence, I could have done it my way. I could have presented my story in a, in a, in a fashion that I would have liked you to believe and kind of put it across to you. And you, if you were not really cautious and, and not so aware of what's the real story, you were very gullible to all of those, those uh, presentations, so to say. But the more action that's happening over the last two, three years, or maybe even four years, uh, around the whole regulatory uh, construct that is coming in, I think these things will fall in place fairly well. In fact, over the last two months or so, SEBI, at least to my knowledge, has brought out three or four broad papers on different aspects of, ENE, of ESG and how they believe plugging loopholes should help us to make sure that it, it isn't greenwashed. To begin with, there's something called ESG ratings that are published uh, for different companies. And these ESG ratings are given by uh, uh, analysts out there. And now the kind of framework that the analysts have been using to do the ratings was not India specific. So they, there was a lot of Western templates or the developed world templates, so to say, that were being applied to Indian companies and then they were getting a rating. The Indian context is very different and that's where Sebi's woken up and said, you'll have to consider these so that you don't really give a rating, uh, give a false uh, visual, a false picture through the ratings that you publish for our companies in India. So that's that's one thing that's happened. They've also come out and clearly said that if you are going to do this uh, BRSR, which is another thing that I just mentioned, the sustainability report, you got to clearly indicate how you're doing bare minimum and how you're doing exceptional. In the, there's something called an essential component of the report, which is essential for every thousand com- every company in the thousand list. But there's also a component it's called leadership. So that's where you get to demonstrate that you're going well and beyond what is the demand from the regulator. So the leadership section will again address a lot of those things that make the make the uh, the the real uh, true flag bearers of ESG and sustainability kind of stand out because they've gone well and beyond. So there are those mechanisms that are coming in place, and that's what will address it. Uh, how far will that uh, regulation be? spread because today it's thousand companies how far do we spread because this is easily a, a, a lakh plus or a couple of lakhs in terms of the number of companies that are out there how far do we spread is something we'll have to wait and see but the intent is there the intent is clearly there uh, from a customer perspective from a consumer perspective i think there's still a lot to not to be done in terms of product labeling and stuff like that because when you see some some products that you pick off the shelf when they say natural when you say organic when you see uh, 100% real fruit and whatnot, you you always tend to go with the labels and those labels could again be deceptive. So you got to also be very conscious and that awareness on the consumer side, on the individual side is a different aspect that we could discuss. Again, connects to the whole aspect of not necessarily greenwashing, but some sort of product labeling misguidance, so to say. But yeah, that's the, that's the way I would sum it all in terms of what's happening in that space of greenwashing and to address that in, in different ways that is already in uh, in, in action. No, that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense that, you know, as as, as somebody, uh, as a corporate leader, you're basically, uh, you know, looking at what the industry is also doing, the regulators are doing, what is happening across the world, so that you are also not, you know, being, 
um yes you, you you can be very very careful and very passionate about the uh, you know sustainability aspect of it but you can't really be inauthentic or you know dishonest with your own company and and the bottom line of the company because you have to ultimately marry them together it's not that you know something which has been there for the many decades seven seven eight decades and the company has been working like that suddenly overnight you can't change it uh, according to you know uh, the the sdgs um which brings another question like uh, the priority something you mentioned uh, you know has really clicked over here the priority of most companies today uh, whether organically that you know there was a lot of leadership as as sebi asks uh, people there was a lot of leadership within the company to move towards you know better esg standards or it is inorganic whether a regulator in a particular country is asking you to do that or the investor is saying if you don't do it i'm not going to invest um however that priority has come in the last 4 5 7 years right yeah true so um the question is the sdgs are supposed to be achieved by 2030 now when we talked about the you know when we talk about the millennium development goals which were there in the early 2000s and they were supposed to be achieved by uh, 2015 i think they they overachieved it uh, 2012 i think was the uh, time and then that's when you know they they became more ambitious and talked about sdgs um do you and and this is a question i know this is there is no answer to this question right now and and you i'm probably putting you in a spot so <laughs> don't mind but do you think we are on track uh, of achieving those goals by 2030 do you think um, there there will be challenges but do you think we'll still be able to overcome them and you know get there yeah uh, so i think there is an answer to this although the answer is loaded with a whole lot of ifs and buts right and and i'll get there uh SDGs again. When you say SDGs have to be achieved by 2030, you typically would break them down with the fact that 192 countries have com- committed to the SDGs. Each country then thereafter has also said that every five years we will present to the UN what we call the NDCs, which is our nationally determined contributions towards the SDGs. So I am saying in 2016, let's say after the Paris Agreement, uh, India and other countries did commit. to the un saying for the next 5 years these are our targets and then of course we'll come back after the 5 year period sit down and re- put a new new set of targets for the subsequent 5 years so every country did that in 2016 they caught up they had to re- actually meet up in 2020 to assess where they were unfortunately pandemic did not allow the cop to happen and so when the cop happened the subsequent year uh, there was an assessment and unfortunately a lot of countries india was one of the exception there by the way Uh, a lot of countries did not meet their sdgs there were different factors one clear factor let's say from the us side was the trump administration not believing climate change is real opting out of the paris agreement to an extent and all of that uh, and then there were other things where i think the, the the whole declaration aspect of an ambition is one but the action on the ground to achieve it is another and that's where the action did not support the the walk the talk did not happen right uh in india's case i would say yes it was achieved uh the sdg the ndcs that we were committed to but i believe we also were very cautious in giving ourselves enough cushion to achieve the the ndcs that we are committing to in the sense that we were not aggressive in our ndcs but having said that i don't think we should take any credit away because the ndcs were always supposed to be decided by the uh, the country leaderships by by themselves un never said you india have to commit to these ndcs they were given the liberty the countries were given the liberty because each country has a reality of its own so you decide what is relevant for you now 
again, as we speak today, India has again submitted a new set of NDCs for the subsequent. Four. I think we are in the first year now. We'll have another four years before we get there. But what I clearly gather is that India is definitely doing way better. But then, if you look at what we're talking, we're not talking of a, a geographical challenge here. We're not talking of a ge- geographical problem, right? What we're talking of in terms of sustainability and goals of uh, of what we SDGs are and climate change is a problem that's global. It's, it knows no boundaries. So if India achieves and the other countries don't achieve, we still are sunk, sinking down. Uh, if eight countries achieve, eight don't, we still sink down. All countries achieve, that's when we sail, right? Clearly, that is how it is. Uh, and I think to conclude, it's simple to say, uh, we are not there. We are not there. Are we hopefully getting there? I believe with the, with the action that has happened in the last two COPs, major decisions have been made uh, to make sure that uh, something like climate finance that they call essentially the finance that's meant to drive the whole climate story in the right direction is, is something that there's been an agreement on. Now, those those are the kind of decisions that give us a hope. But we are in 2023. We've got seven years. We're not too far. Unfortunately, the temperature rise has already reached 1.3 thereabouts. Uh, where when in the Paris Agreement, when the people sat down, they said we will try to keep it below two and aspire to keep it below 1.5. So they did not commit to 1.5, but there was a clear realization that 1.5 is ideal. But they knew that probably they wouldn't be able to achieve. We are already at 1.3. 2015 to 2023, we we 1.3 there. How far are we from two degrees? We're not too far. If action hasn't doesn't happen this next two to three years, not too long. Next two to three years is super crucial. If it doesn't happen, unfortunately, the downward spiral has begun. Yeah, that that is actually. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for that honest answer, uh, because very few people actually talk about uh, you know these things with, with such honesty. But that's the reality. That's that's what we are living in, and that's where our kids are going to live in now. And they need to understand this because this is this is as you rightly said, it's not one geographical region which is responsible; is the entire world. And uh, talking about that, there are so many other aspects. I would have loved to go deeper into, like talking about the you know uh, shift in the kind of governments that we have across the world. Or, you know, many small countries which are much smaller, their economies are much smaller than some giant corporations. Uh, You know, they've been, uh, I would say, uh, arm twisted or sometimes their own selfish reasons. They are reporting the wrong data or whatever it is. Um, But but the the answer i think i i we we got the answer which uh, i was looking for and uh, hopefully you know in the future we'll have another conversation around it where we can go deeper into it but i would like to now move to the next aspect of our conversation which is um the youth right the world uh, i don't think the world has ever been so young in in our uh, in the history of uh, human civilization uh, india leading with 235 million odd uh, young people uh, china next then indonesia nigeria Pakistan. So essentially the world belongs to the youth and uh, they how how important is it for the youth to take up this challenge? How important is it for the youth to understand these realities today? I think the answer if you said how important it's the short answer is super important, uh, very important uh, and I think I don't think we need to really uh, go elaborately explaining why it is important because there's a realization among the youth, the new generation, so to say, that it is important to the extent where they're making their career decisions, they're making their 
consumer decisions also based on how they perceive a brand or an employer right so that's that's to the extent in fact there there in the last few years there have been enough studies that indicate that the millennials and the gen z workforce that's just entered have made this a very key criteria for them to make their decisions uh, in their daily lives uh, big and small decisions i mean uh, having said that i think what is lacking for for them while they, their awareness is of course a lot because of what they are observing in the media through social media that they are very very obviously on uh, is that's the kind of uh, learning or awareness that they've built what hasn't happened is that the ecosystem the education ecosystem that that the you typically are are in in their early formative years part of is where i think it hasn't really uh, been brought into the fore, brought to the fore these subjects and these topics uh, by that i don't mean that they've not been done at all by that i mean that they've not been done in a manner that it leads them to kind of a, a holistic understanding of the problem and leads them to a point where they probably can also pick their own career choices not employers per se but even career choices on on the green economy side right in fact i did an op-ed yesterday for deccan herald which is a original paper here in english and uh, i did mention about this fact that uh, uh, we need to really look at how we are look, uh, getting sustainability education ingrained in a school in a very holistic 360 degree manner throughout the academic year such that it supports and complements what is the curriculum today and what will be the curriculum tomorrow when nep kind of rolls out in its full force so all of those aspects are very integral and i i believe even when i read what's happening on the nep front the frameworks that are coming out uh, the inputs that are coming from the ministries there's a direction that i see will will eventually have this as a core aspect of their learning in their in the school uh, education something i definitely did not have or probably you also did not have during our school days so so yeah that's that's something i'm clearly excited about uh, ugc also has brought in i believe uh, very recently about month or so back a uh, 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 direction to the uh, engineering colleges saying they've got to do a four credit kind of a subject on sustainability on climate change for the engineering students which is super good because again that means that apart from the technicalities of engineering they are also going to be looking at this as- this aspect and honestly i think you by now you would have already seen this sustainability has no uh, it's not unidimensional it kind of connects to pretty much every profession out there an engineering graduate who sustainability aware can build the right technologies the right Uh, solutions for tomorrow's problems wherever he or she puts her career into and so that's the kind of thing right so that's that's important that even higher education uh, is is considering climate change and sustainability in their in their uh, curriculum right so that's that's another observation so yeah so i think from a educational ecosystem perspective there's a lot happening uh, and it will of course roll out in the coming years uh, from a individual perspective there's a lot of awareness put together uh, the, the the jobs in the green economy are growing uh, i think things are just the stars are just lining up very well if you if you were to see from how this will shape up in the next 8 10 years from a career perspective for the youth that you just mentioned right right no i i absolutely agree with you in fact um, you know um that's why we have uh, programs uh, like with uh, someone naturally which we're going to talk about obviously now 
what i definitely feel anveshi is that you know that seed has to be put in the youth when they are quite young i i remember in fact i i delivered a tedx uh, on sustainability and youth in november last year uh, in chandigarh and uh, i i talked about my own personal story over there how you know in our school time when i was in 7th and 8th standard uh, we were told uh, that you know uh, bursting firecrackers is actually bad for the environment and eventually bad for you right and i took it to heart i i really took it to heart because when i did burst a few firecrackers and the fumes that came out you know those shiny silverish blue flames i i understood that this is not something which is natural and and uh, from there you know i was very conscious of what i was doing but then we also talk about today's generation gen z uh, which uh, has its own you know set of issues uh, with instant gratification and hyper consumerism hyper materialism uh, how do you you know balance how does today's youth balance all that when when advertising is essentially changing your behavior it's not social media anymore it's advertising changing your behavior and then uh, on the other hand you you uh, also know that it is it, the weather patterns are just not working out and the animals are dying and there are forest fires how how does today's youth actually manage that if if there is uh, you know anything on that that you would like to comment oh yeah i definitely would like to comment honestly so so let let me as i answer maybe just take a little bit of an ecosystem kind of an approach i'll i'll tell you why i'm saying that so to begin with of course there's this youth as a as a part of that ecosystem who's uh, who's got to be made aware made aware not well beyond the fact that firecrackers generate fumes which are not good for the environment that's one part but then there's so much that they're missing if you were to only look at that one angle and that's exactly what i meant when i said 360 degrees so you got to be aware of what you in your daily lifestyle are doing day to night and everything in between and say what is it that you should be conscious about and that's something that is i'll be honest with you far more easy to do with a, a young chap out there than with you or me it's far more easy uh, because their their wiring isn't so uh, so hard bound we are very hard bound in our wiring we as adults and and that's that's where the challenge actually comes up so that's one part being making them aware that's that's done if that's done of course they will being aware hopefully start looking for options but yes that that's not the end of the story because like you just said they are also being fed on the other side by all of these jingles and uh, consumerism kind of uh, fast fashion and all of those aspects right now that's this that's the industry side of it now what i mentioned about a few minutes back or 15 20 minutes back when i said the industry is being expected to be sustainable that's that's if that were to kind of run its distance in the next few years there will be a shift in the industry itself from what is their current portfolio of services goods offerings to a portfolio that has a mix of healthy mix of greener offerings whether it is green in terms of an alternate product uh, if it's fashion you have an eco friendly eco friendly option out there as well so that's going to happen as well as we as in the subsequent years this that's one side having said that both both of these are tracks that are running in parallel one will always be a little ahead of the other and that is where you will see that there's an imbalance of sorts they're not going to be having you're not going to have them run together that's where you'll see while the demand side is saying i want more eco friendly options the supply side isn't yet ready the supply side is saying i'm ready to give you an option but i don't see the demand for my my greener offering that i want to give you so there's always going to be that imbalance of sorts and that's something over a period of time should kind of uh, kind of balance itself out uh, 
an, ex, an example in, in, in this whole setup is what has been announced as the life mission in India. I don't know if that's something that's caught the attention of your eye, but it's, it's definitely something that's happened in the last uh, year when the life mission, which stands for lifestyle for environment, lifestyle for environment. This is an, uh, a large scale mission from Indian government uh, for running from 2022 end till 2028. What is the intent of the mission? The intent of the mission is to create 1 billion pro planet people. That's the intent of the mission. But how will they make it happen? The, the, way they, the way they intend to make it happen is that they want to first start looking at this the whole demand side, which is the consumer behavior side, to say how do we make them aware, more conscious about what's a sustainable lifestyle. So they are they are now at that point where they are trying looking for ideas and how to execute that, those ideas for the demand side. Once that's taken care of to a reasonable extent, then they would want they are going to then push the supply side. This is the government push. I mean, right? The government is then going to push the supply side, the industry to say, look, now you've got to really step it up in terms of your greener offerings or greener options, greener alternatives, and the market will shape up because there's that change in behavior that we are driving already. That's the second. With both of those happening in tandem, third stream is when the government is then saying, I'm going to pull the pull the whole administrative setup and make policies that favor this, this whole parallel running ecosystem. And that's the that's the that's the beauty of it all. The policies and frameworks. If there's a push today in the Indian Indian economy, there's a lot of lot of uh, 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 leverage that something like the production linked incentive PLI schemes are getting uh, because they they give a good nice cushion, good nice reason for uh, industry to kind of adopt a, a sector that otherwise they wouldn't have. Now that's the kind of thing. Right? The moment there's a policy support. The industry will move in that direction. Green hydrogen is being talked so much today. Solar panels are being manufactured in India today, unlike earlier where we were importing it from China because of the whole PLI kind of incentive that came along. Now, the three things, the supply side, the demand side and the policy push is the intent of this 2022 to 2028 mission, which is called the life mission. And the, in, the eventual objective is that we take this whole learning of ours, the whole exercise of ours, and also present it to the world as an alternative to drive this whole sustainable development goals through individual sustainable lifestyle shifts. And that's that's the beauty of it all. So, yeah, if you look at it from an ecosystem perspective, there's a lot happening in tandem, in parallel tracks. And so when you look at them together, you will, you will have a, a sense of uh, hope and, and, and optimism for sure. But if you do not necessarily, uh, uh, you're not necessarily aware of the whole system, you'd probably look at this thing and say, no, what's, where are we leading to? Where are we heading to? Right? So that's, that's why I said, I think it's important to take that ecosystem view uh, before we kind of draw any sort of a conclusion there. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the policy network is there. So uh, policy framework is there. So the industry will respond to it. And because, you know, there are a lot of incentives involved over there. Now, coming to youth, the, the incentives for youth are very different. You know, uh, working in, uh, I would say, in the SDG uh, environment or, you know, working towards promoting SDGs is not uh, attractive. 
it's not sexy it's not instant it doesn't give you that instant result uh, as well so uh, a lot of youth are just disillusioned by a lot of uh, you know other aspects around it and that is why it is so easy to you know fall into narratives where people start uh, talking about climate change is not real and you know they keep on giving a lot of uh, well uh, false uh, you know justifications for it um Punjab, I, I come from Punjab and Punjab is one of the three regions in the world where the water table is actually going down. Uh, the other two, one, are, one is in uh, California, the other one is in, uh, you know, China. And uh, these are the three biggest economies in the world also, right? So it, it clearly sh- uh, tells us how deep are uh, some of our uh, work, whether it is, you know, corporate policies or whether it is policy frameworks of the government have been disincentivizing working towards the in- environment. And then... Um, so how do we expect youth to work on it? In fact, I, I talk to a lot of Punjabi youth and I, uh, whenever we talk to them, their main idea is to go abroad. Um, and a lot of the youth is just involved in a lot of other activities. Uh, narcotics is a big issue. Uh, you know, uh, all of them want to be a singer and and so on and so forth. None of them really want to talk about this big issue that is happening in Punjab, which is actually a very small state as compared to other big states in India. None of the youth is really passionate about it. None of the youth is really making reels around it, right? Um, how do we incentivize more and more youth to come into this? I'm not saying that there is no youth involved in this. There are a lot of people doing it, but not enough. Yeah. So how how does that, uh, how can we counter that? Yeah. So there's two points to that. and I'll start on the not enough part first, right? Clearly, uh, uh, so this there's this Jan 2023, there was a report that came from this uh, talent management organization called Founded, which is Monster earlier, uh, where Founded said in Jan 2023, when they looked at the job market, it is the green jobs, green jobs from the last year to this year grew 80%, right? While the rest of the employment scenario wasn't so optimistic, the green job scenario was definitely on the upper side, on the high side. In fact, to the extent where the demand for the skills was much higher than the supply for skills. What does that tell us is that as these uh, different streams of work from the corporate side, from the administrative side and everything else falls in place, education side uh, fall in place, there will of course be that shift in the economy. And as that happens, the demand for skills and demand for such roles will come into being. And when they come into being, I think clearly the youth would want to also kind of be in a place when I'm talking of Youth, when they're looking at career choices, not not the uh, the other side where you're st- not looking at career choice, but you're probably looking at more from what you call instant gratification and consumerism and that. I'll come to that angle as well. But from a career choice perspective, right? So then the moment you know that that's the sunrise sector, that's where the jobs are growing, That's that, then that narrative is clearly visible to them. I'm sure that skill building exercises not just by themselves, but also because of the colleges bringing in a course on sustainability, because of the fact that the National Skills, I think NSDC, National Skills Development Commission, has done a a program just recently where they said they're going to start building the talent uh, for green economy. So there's all of that happening. The moment that happens from the lower rung of, let's say, the youth in our our country, or in in the world for that matter, to the most uh, educated one out there, everyone will start looking at this as an, as an opportunity. So that's that's my clear impression of how I believe the career aspect will be addressed. Uh, the other aspect, which is not the career one, but let's say personal uh, uh, 
personal interest on that front. Uh, yes, yes, the youth is driven a lot by uh, by what they kind of see and can show to the world out there, whether it is a reel that they make, whether it is a, a selfie, uh, whether it is all of the social media uh, gimmickry, let's call it so, that goes with it. My point being, uh, that's if that's what interests them, you are not going to have any success if you were to change their their whole interest profile. That's that's the way the generation has has kind of uh, the DNA of the generation has kind of shaped up. You will not change it. You will not be able to change it. Definitely not able to change it overnight or over the period of a few years. It will take its own time, and you don't know for sure what the next generation holds in store. Instead, what we should try to do is make it make sustainability. You said sexy. Make sustainability sexy for the youth in a manner that they are able to kind of come on to that more than uh, push them being pushed towards it. So how do we make it happen? Is what it is. So in our case, what we've done is we've kind of developed something that we call the the green compass. Or uh, in fact, green compass is for uh, uh, adults, adults, but even for kids. We've got students. We've got something called the junior green compass. The this the idea of this tool is all about saying you go onto this tool and you kind of start your own journey. You may have your own trigger point on sustainability. You may have your own pace at which you want to do sustainability. You may have your own uh, uh, learnings and the process of growing on it. All of it is taken care of. Now all you have to do is get there, start journaling, start recording what you've been doing on your sustainability and as you do that what this does is it's a gamified tool it gives you badges it gives you recognition gives you a leaderboard gives you a lot of journey kind of aspect timelines and you can share it with your folks out there social media again we're talking about right so the moment you know there's this jazzy looking nice looking badge that you could put put out there saying look here's what i've won i'm now a champ in this particular space uh, in, in this particular aspect of sustainability and that's something that will still give them what you call instant gratification, but of a different manner, right? So I, all I'm saying is, I think if you were to really change the DNA, it will not happen. you got to make it personal. You may have got to make it accessible. you got to make it palatable for them. And that's the only way you will win over them. Uh, you got to connect with their, their pulse. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. But then there is another very big factor involved over here. Uh, especially for Indians and Asians, uh, where uh, you know our our success formula is is all about following somebody else who's made enough money, right? So <laughs> that person who's made enough money, that means past tense, uh, might have done it uh, in things which are not related to SDGs, yeah. and that's when uh, parents, that's when schools, teachers, uh, you know, test prep people, uh, they are usually having this probably unconscious or you know subconscious bias against the environment itself they i've, I've hardly seen many people talk about yeah. environment as the as the area of uh, career growth and so on and so forth right and uh, but do you think there's there's a possibility of a behavior change over there as well so when you say that you you any any individual especially in their formative years in their growing years would look for what they what you i would have called a role model yes the role models will have to emerge uh, in the in the uh, in the green space sooner than later the fortunate part i will say and this is again from an india perspective uh, we all know of the fact that ambani's are a big conglomerate in india right uh, for them in the last year and a half or so to have 
mentioned it multiple times, especially when they were addressing their own shareholders, that they see their whole company shifting from what they're doing towards being a heavily greener uh, conglomerate, that they are shifting their whole business portfolio from what it is today. And clearly we know where it began with their heavily oil and gas leaning kind of an industry body, industry group. Uh, But they're clearly wanting to shift it. The narrative is from their side saying, we want to become uh, known for our greener segments of our industry. So they've invested in green hydrogen. They're investing heavily into what is being called a mega park on uh, on green uh, hydrogen and the ancillaries around it. And that's where they're heading. My point being that the if you see somebody who's let's let's say the leading one of the leading uh, uh, industry players in India saying we want to go green, and that's also going to translate, of course, in their supply chain and everywhere else. Then you will sooner than later have the right role model on the greener side as well. It's it's a given. It will happen. You may not have one today to easily have a reference point, but it will happen. Uh, till that till that time, of course, it's all about saying that we keep keep our uh, our youth interested in the in the whole space of green economy with with news like what I just mentioned came in Jan when they say the green economy sorry the green jobs is is surging while the rest of the employment scenario isn't as as great so I think those are the kind of tidbits and news that you definitely believe will keep them interested but yeah. To find for yourself a role model, uh, we'll probably have a little more waiting to do. So, Anveshi, uh, you know, uh, now we are collaborating uh, on on something uh, very interesting that AdQuest has developed uh, for kids between uh, you know classes uh, five and ten. Uh, something uh, which is an amazing summer camp called Summer Naturally. Um, Tell us a little bit about it and, you know, what are the motivations and uh, what are the outcomes and what what has been the feedback so far about it? Someone naturally, I think the, the, the origin of this has been about a year back. It had its first run last year, last summer. And the idea was to engage with students again between that age group of class 5 to class 10. Uh, very, very interactively, very uh, hands-on on a project-based learning approach on a particular sustainability development goal. So the last year, we picked SDG number 12, which was about responsible consumption and production. Uh, We gave them very, very relatable objects right around them. And we asked them to really decipher for themselves, where did that, how did that object come into being? If it was a football, how did the football get, get into being a football? If it was a chocolate, what went into making the chocolate? So they really had to go backwards and figure it out. And that that by itself was an exploration and definitely gave them enough learning and even gave us a lot more clarity and confidence about what's the best way to kind of engage with these kids in that age group. With that confidence, I think we're coming into this year with SDG number 14 and 15, which is life under ocean and life, life under water and life over land. Uh, again, this is a very biodiversity-centric theme so we took took a theme that was very much about the flora and the fauna around us and the life around us and how do we kind of make it uh, make it uh, sustainable in the long run uh, for for the well for the well-being of the planet and the people on it for the, for, for that matter um, so that's the theme again class 5 to class 10 is the target group again it runs in the summer the idea is april the month of april is where we engage the students a lot 
in terms of what we wanting them to do, what is the objective and what how should they go about it, etc. And they'll do that during the, that month of April. Right in the middle of April happens to be Earth Day. And so we, around that Earth Day, we've planned what is being called the Mentorship Week, during which, of course, Saurabh, you'll be around. You'll, you'll have your own uh, session with the students where I'm clearly, clearly seeing that being a very great uh, session for the students. Alongside that, we'll have a few other experts come in and do that mentorship for the students on what it could, what it means to be sustainable, and more importantly, what it means to be sustainable from a uh, from a career choice perspective. Although it may be too early for a few 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 of these kids, but I think we still need to really shape it in a manner that is relevant to them. We'll do that. Uh, so that's the mentorship week, which is happening with for the first time. Last year we never had it. So for the first time, thanks to SN mentoring being around, we thought this would be great to do it. Uh, and then towards the end of April, we do a quiz, a quiz, a questionnaire that goes to the students. They answer the questionnaire, and out as an outcome of that answering, we kind of gauge what learning happened, who learned better, who learned less, and what is it that we could possibly do better for for ourselves for the program overall, maybe in the subsequent run. We take feedback as well. Uh, but the, the broader reason, the larger reason why we do the evaluation of the quiz is also to identify the, the bright sparks in that, in that participative group and see who, who really excelled. So the, at the end of this whole summer natural program, we, what we do is we identify three inter-school winners per class. We identify three intra-school winners per school per class. And then we kind of give them a special recognition. For the intra-school winners, they get a winner certificate. For the inter-school winners, they get a winner certificate plus a goodie kit. Uh, but for the rest of the folks who participated, we're not leaving them behind. We clearly want them want to acknowledge that they were equally out there and participating. And so what we do is we give them a certificate of participation and appreciation from our side as well. Alongside that, we also, of course, acknowledge the fact that the schools, the, folk, the teachers and the management were very supportive during the program and that's that's the experience from the last year and because of that supportive role that they play we want to kind of also give them a sense of uh, uh, recognition so we also kind of give them a recognition certificate for their support so that's the crux of it all the idea at the end of it all being everybody walks back with a better informed mental uh, awareness and uh, knowledge about the whole theme of sustainability a specific aspect of it that sounds amazing. I, I really wish, you know, something like this was there uh, when uh, why I was in school or probably maybe you also wish <laughs> similarly. But, uh, you know, these things, they, well, they were not in the same shape and, uh, you know, form, I think. And and I'm really glad to be uh, joining. I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, AdQuest and uh, what they have been doing, what you have been doing. Uh, because if, if we don't do it together, there is there is no way we are going to, you know, reach 2030 with a positive, uh, I would say, outlook. And and uh, it's it's yeah. more of an obligation for all us uh, who are not youth anymore. Uh, so uh, it is an obligation for us to uh, you know uh, definitely mentor youth and take them forward, uh, uh, or at least show them a direction in the in the right um, uh, direction. I would say. So uh, thank you so much, Anveshi, for taking out time. And uh, before you go, I'm just going to ask you uh, you know one uh, couple of uh, more questions. Um, Small questions, though. So, Anveshi, if if you would, uh, you know, want to advise uh, a young person who would probably want to emulate the career path that you have taken, the things that you have done, what advice would you give that person? I, I think to begin with, I wouldn't go as far as saying emulate my career path. That's that's not the kind of 
direction in which I would take them. But what I clearly want them to believe is that there's one thing that I've done a lot more often in my career, probably even before I started my professional career as well, but I continue to do it, which is to keep a constant learning approach. I, I don't think I would ever stop learning. I, I, I'm where I am today, 40 years down, if you and me happen to converse, have a conversation, I'm going to still say I'm learning. So that's the, that's the way I look at things. Uh, so if you were to have that ap- approach and attitude that you're going to be a constant learner, everything else is going to just set itself right around it. That's the only thing that I would say. Perfect. Perfect piece of advice. And uh, last question, Anveshi. Um, if there were a sentence or a thought that you would like to share with the world to make the world a better place, what would that be? That would be things had to be done right yesterday, but today is not too late. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Anveshi, yes. thank you so much <laughs> for being here uh, and uh, you know being a part of this. Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, there you go, guys. Uh, if, if All the young people who are listening to this, you now know that even though it might not seem very obvious, there is a lot happening in the uh, SDGs world, in the environmental social governance world, in the corporate sector. Uh, there are a lot of new jobs, a lot of new opportunities available. Um, the governments, including India's government and the rest of the you know governments of the world, they are trying to create structures where they incentivize you to make a career out of um, working in this space, uh, helping the planet, uh, you know, heal itself, become better so that our future generations can live a much prosperous life. So uh, if you have any more questions, you can definitely reach out to us. I'll be sharing Anveshi's uh, details um, uh, and I'll be also sharing uh, if, if you're somebody who's uh, between class 5 or 10 or if you're a parent of somebody who's, uh, you know, between uh, studying in uh, currently in classes 5 to 10, then I would definitely recommend that you check out at Quest uh, some naturally program it's completely online it's completely free of cost and there's a lot to learn over there as Anvishi said never stop learning thank you for listening to the best fit careers podcast we would love to hear from you so please provide your comments feedback and questions to us through email or messages on our social media please subscribe to us and like our episodes if you found value in them and share them with others who may benefit from this information Best Fit Careers has been designed to provide you the best information possible to solve your career queries. This podcast is the culmination of years of experience and thousands of hours of counseling, research and guidance sessions. Please find more amazing information at the SN Mentoring online publication. See you in the next episode. Happy careers to you.